Hey everyone, it's Catfish here. I promise you this is the last one of these uh, pre-episode messages. And yeah, so Joe Fitz and I sat down last week, recorded this. So it is a week old, basically because of you know the timing when this is released. Some of the stuff isn't as relevant anymore. So I've kind of just curated, I guess you could say, uh, the relevant bits and put it in here. I think the discussion we had about you know how to navigate round zero slash round one team list, the two parts of the team list is still very relevant. So Hopefully you can have a listen to that and the other player-related chat that we've got in there is still helpful for you guys. Uh, obviously, we are recording again and I promise we'll be back on track uh, to get back on schedule with the season kickoff so, so, so close. I'm hyped, even if I am a bit crook, but Supercoach baby, it's back. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the NRL Supercoach Champions Podcast. I'm Joe Fitz. The first team list of the year is usually the time when we proclaim Supercoach Christmas. But with the split round to kick off the season this week's a bit like Christmas with your in-laws, featuring that auntie with the hairy mole on her lip who insists on kissing both cheeks on arrival. But still, there's presents to be unwrapped, so it's not all bad. Here to tell us which of the four Vegas teams has hairy moles on their lips, let's face it, it's probably South. it's Wilf. Hey Joe, it's definitely South, but look, we'll we'll dive into the team list later. More importantly, Supercoach is back, baby. I am keen as ready to rip in. Preseason's been long enough. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm ready to hit the weekly grind. Yeah, it, it's been a bit of a, a, a weird preseason, obviously, with you know all the talk of Vegas and uh, dominating a lot of the news. Obviously, the World Cup challenge is, is a pretty regular thing, but it, it seems to have kind of been you know, a lot of preseason talk, it seems we've been talking about all different kinds of things that aren't necessarily football related. Um, but now the the bullets will be live and I'm excited. That's it. And yeah, here we are, you know, it's what, Tuesday, the 27th of February. We are literally six days. This time in six days time, we'll have watched two games of footy. That is so soon. It is, yep. Uh, you know, I'll be in my PJs watching the Vegas game. So, um, well, both of the games, obviously. So, yeah, excited for that. But obviously, we talked about it in a previous pod, the uh, the crazy stuff with the split rounds, how it affects our team building stuff. We'll go into a bit of detail with that, as well as going through the team lists and, you know, just things that you may have forgotten over the preseason, things like suspensions and updates on any injuries. So, Bumper episode, so I guess, you know, without further ado, we should get into it. Straight into the news, uh, I guess uh, there's been a few horrible injuries. Unfortunately, Tom Gilbert headlining it all, rupturing his ACL. So that's that's his 2024 done already. But yeah, look, I, I'm shattered for him. But also for the Dolphins, like I, I feel like he is such a leader for them. And my preseason hot, spicy take of Dolphins top eight just took a big hit. So, yeah, that's going to be huge. Yeah, I mean, it's your spicy take, but I tend to agree with you. I think that Gilbert is is 
the difference between them being, you know, at the bottom half of the eight and on the outside looking in. It's a, a shame for him, but even more of a shame for super coaches because they'd often had so many injuries in and around that position last year that, you know, the likes of Ray Stone at around 400K and any of the other options are kind of well-priced outside of cheapy zones. So, um, and they've got the depth of forwards and none of them are particularly appealing. So, yeah, tragedy for Queensland and the Dolphins, but also from a super coach perspective, I just don't think there's value there. Uh, Cohen has, so he went down what looked like a pretty serious knee injury as well. Uh, obviously, he's not too super coach relevant, but his... Injury may have opened up a spot on the Cowboys bench for one Tom McKayley, who looked absolutely awesome. He's now been promoted to the top 30 as well, so it looks like he's gearing up to be a potential uh, cheapie there. Now I've kind of rejigged my team and fit him in as one of my uh, my fourth front row forward there. So, yeah, I guess something to keep an eye out for. We can come back and talk about team lists a little bit later. The next injury, so, I mean, we all know what happened with poor, poor Dom Young. But it sounds like things are, are trending in the right direction. So no serious uh, injuries from this, no serious damage from the scans, but still potential ligament uh, concern. The main issue here is that his return's uncertain. So he's definitely not playing this week, this first game, but we don't know when he'll be back. There's a chance it could be round two, could be longer. It seems indef- indefinite at the moment. So... You know, that makes that whole backline a little bit uncertain. Like, is it Billy Smith that drops out? Is it Suoliti? Is it Daniel Tupo? Maybe, like, there there are a, a few question marks there. The only one that seems nailed on for me is Joey Manu at the moment. So, I mean, on, on reputation, Billy Smith drops out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, who knows? It was obviously a, a pretty poor season by Rooster standards uh, again last year. So, you know, uh, Robbo might be... Um, more inclined than usual to kind of wield the axe uh, and go on form week to week. I'm kind of more interested in the back line of the Warriors, mate, particularly with uh, CNK, not slated to be back until round four. Yeah, it's still, again, we don't have anything definitive here. Uh, It sounds like he's definitely struggling with this injury. And I think if he is out until round four, that definitely brings brings Tain to a picky into calculations. Obviously, he's... Uh, you know, quite affordable. I think he's 277k roughly and available at center wing and he's got the fullback duel as well. So if he's playing fullback for the first three rounds, I think that's, that's you know, he becomes playable. He's got very good work rate. He's obviously not as um, dynamic as a ball player or anything like that as a chance. But yeah, I mean, at that price tag, you'll take someone who's going to potentially churn out 35, 40 each week in base with, Obviously, the try-scoring upside of playing in a pretty decent Warriors outfit. So, yeah, a little bit of interest there. He's currently in my team, but I'd love to find out more information about how long Charlton's going to be out for for locking that in. Well, I think, as I've said in previous pods, you know, beggars can't be choosers this year with cheapies, particularly with, um, you know, Rappina seemingly locking up the fullback role for the Raiders, which means that there's at least one cheapie less um, that we were backing on, you know, down in Canberra. And it seems reasonably slim picking, certainly, uh, for cheapies with job security. So, you know, having those first, what seems to be at least three weeks guaranteed, 
um, playing that critical role to a picky is pretty attractive, mate. Um, you know, we've gone through and, and we're going to talk about some of the uh, some of the suspensions and, and things from the ju- judiciary. I'd completely forgotten uh, a lot of these guys were out and certainly was maybe going to trip me up uh, when putting my kind of round one team together, mate. So do you want to give us a bit of a refresher? Yeah, so we'll start off um, with the updated one, uh, updated charge from this last round of trials. The biggest one is Mike Acevo. Um, he's just a repeat offender. He's out until round four. He's copying a three-game ban. So that opens up a wing spot uh, on the left wing for the Eels. Unfortunately, it's most likely going to be either Hayes Dunster or Sean Russell. And I just, yeah, with only three games there, I just don't see if there is any real super coach opportunity there, unfortunately, not for classic purposes anyway. Uh, Toff Sipley is out until round four as well uh, for his involvement in that Dom Young tackle. Uh, I think minimal super coach relevance here. Maybe a Nathan Brown gets more minutes or whatever, but he's not exactly cheap either. Corey Horsburgh is expected to be back round three from his suspension. I know it still says round four at times, but I'm pretty sure when I count, <laughs> he was out for four games and he already served two of those last year. So I can't see how he's not back round three. So I think this is interesting because uh, Morgan Smithies, obviously a new acquisition over from the ESL. Uh, you know, he's very much a, a hard worker. Uh, there's some, you know, sh- shades of Sean Fensom, uh, which obviously back in the day was great for Supercoach, but not so much in today's kind of attacking focused super coach there but you know at 345k if he's got a starting lock role for at least the first two rounds he could give you safe 50s if not more depending on his minutes the big question is what happens when horse comes back in round three now you know you'd think horse would just go straight into the lock role and like smithies is too small to play as a prop so the other question is what if horse goes and plays prop and smithies gets to hold that lock role I feel like that's kind of like the best case scenario. So I'm kind of, you know, I was a little bit unsure, but then when I watched him play in the trial, I was like, you know what, he's going to be fine for super coach. He's going to get through plenty of plenty of defensive work and still, you know, get through some workmanlike runs as well to base his way to a solid 50. I feel like I'm happy to start round one with him in my team and then roll the dice and maybe hope he impresses in rounds one and two to hold on to that lock jersey. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a secret that, you know, mid-rangers in the second row are absolutely stacked this year. And, you know, we've been talking about this for a couple of years now. Um, you know, if you are going to have a few mid-rangers, it does help in those first uh, few rounds when we're still, re- you know, we're jigging our teams together and, and balancing kind of that cash before the first price rise. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of this year, I'm, I'm steering pretty hard into mid-rangers at this stage because, you know, the potential to get not a free site on them, but, you know, two rounds before the price changes. And, you know, if there's a couple of middies that you have that haven't quite worked out, then it's an easy one up, one down, uh, you know, to a rookie that's broken through or, uh, you know, a premium that's gone large. And it just gives you way more flexibility in the early rounds of the year. So if it's a 50-50 call, which it probably is on Smithies, um, I'm tending like yourself to, to kind of back him in. Yeah, I mean... I guess what's the worst case scenario, right? Horse gets back and Smithy's on the bench gets in, getting like 30, 40 minutes max. And yeah, he'll probably have to be shuffled on pretty quickly. But I guess for rounds one and two, he's definitely, uh, if he's starting at lock, definitely looks like he's going to be playable. Uh, Jack Whiten for the Rabbitohs, obviously uh, back round three from suspension. So obviously we do see that in round one, at least <laughs> there's, 
there's a reshuffled back line. So with coupled with Campbell Graham's injury, so we've got Tass and Kenner named in the centers. And then there's Jacob Gagai, who's um, named on the wing. So there's going to be an immediate impact here. I'm not sure what's going to happen, though, because I guess when I first was thinking about the Rabbitohs' back line, I was thinking, well, Tass will be there round one and two with Campbell Graham on the right. When Campbell Graham, Graham went down injured, I was thinking, well, maybe do they put Tass there long-term, thinking he's going to be the you know most likely uh, long-term successor, I guess you could say, or beneficiary, rather, uh, for Graham, who's, most, who's going to be out for at least two-thirds of the season. But then, yeah, I guess with no white in there, does Tass play right center? Does, does Tass go back to left center? Because that's where he was. Uh, does Kenner start left center? And then when Whiten comes back, does that move Kenner to the right wing? There's a few things in there. So I, I'm, I, I do think there's, a, there's some risk to picking any of Kenner or, or Jacob Gagai or, yeah. Well, we kind of know what Tass and Kenner are at this point. And I know they have played, you know, at least a decent amount of wing um, Kenner in particular, but I think their best positions are in the center. So if Gagai holds his own, um, you know, when Whiten obviously gets that left center role um, in round three, then you've got to think that he's at least a, a good chance to, to hold on to it because I just don't think Tass and Kenner on the wing are, are anything like what they are at center, which is, you know, fairly mediocre, to be honest, anyway. So, look, Gagai at the moment, he's in the side again, but just because we've got so few base prize players, you know, a lot of the um, a lot of the cheapies that we were batting our eyelids at in early preseason just kind of aren't sniffing the 17s by the sounds of things from all the mail that we've gotten. So a bird in the hand's worth two in the bush, I think, and so Gagai's in my team. Yeah, he's currently in mine as well, but we'll obviously touch on that in team lists a little bit later. And yeah, some of those uh, cheapies that we were batting our eyelids on, obviously Spash and Chris is going to impact that. So he's back in round two. Now the chat, I think Ricky Stewart talked about Jordan Rappiner playing fullback. It looks like Chris is going to move back to center, but it's Ricky Stewart. Like he could change his mind so easily. So I'm not getting too excited with any of that. I just think no matter what happens, whoever's named in the centers, I feel like yeah, if there's a cheapy name in the centers, that's going to be more risky. I do think Chris is more likely to go back there, but who knows? Honestly, I'm trying to really steer clear of all of those uh, Raiders backline cheapies, except for maybe Ethan Strange, who looked like he played really well in the trial and may have jumped KO Weeks for that starting five eighth jersey. But we'll have to wait and see what Team List uh, Tuesday next week brings there. Yeah, it might be a case of, you know, three and some people are rocking kind of four cheaper uh, Canberra players, you know, is, is the straight choice between Weeks and Strange, uh, you know, whoever gets number six. Because if Rappiner starts at fullback, obviously Chris to return, then then your other um, other guys that we had in there just aren't options at this point. But, you know, maybe they're mid-season uh, cash cows for when everyone else starts fattening up. Obviously, Maria Hargraves... Um, you know, he's back in round two. So Spencer Len, you are a puzzlingly popular uh, pick at the moment, mate. Yeah, I mean, when you see someone like that, you know, low 300K, named to start in the Roosters, it's enticing. But yeah, Jared's coming back. Maybe Jared still comes back via the bench or something like that. But I just can't see if he's in the team. It's his last year. He's not going to just play, you know, 20, 30 minutes. Like he's still a leader in the team. And as we can see last year, like when he was a court, when he was called upon, he could still do a job. 
So I, I tend to think he's still going to have a prominent role in his final season as a rooster. Now, Terrell May is the other guy who's a lot of, there's a lot of interest in. Obviously, he was impressive for Supercoach purposes and, you know, impressive on the field as well with his opportunities last year. Played some pretty big minutes in, in games that really did matter for the Roosters, including the finals. But I guess the main thing is, is that there were there were quite a few injuries that they were coping with. And some of these guys are back, like Tupanua, um, as, you know, amongst others. So with Satili now, you know, seemingly back to full health and, and obviously earning back a starting jersey, it just seems like maybe May won't be needed uh, to play as big as big minutes as he may have last year. And that may mean he'll still have a great PPM, I think, but he may just have a limited kind of number of minutes overall from round two onwards. So I'm a little bit wary with that uh, middle forward rotation there for the Roosters. Yeah, I'm 100% wary when you've got quality the likes of Angus Crichton kind of on the outside looking in. Um, yeah, look, May's great when everyone around him is dropping like flies and he's one of the few warm bodies left to put on the field. But, yeah, the, the Roosters are, are pretty much fully healthy, so he's just kind of in the mix. Um, even if he starts in the 17, there's no guarantee he kind of stays there or, or there's any guarantee in minutes. So, look, uh, I mean, so much is going to change, though, between, you know, kind of what we're calling round zero, the, these two Vegas games um, this week and... Uh, teamless Tuesday in a week's time. Um, you know, let's go through uh, these four teams and, and how they're going to shape up and how that's going to impact the makeup of our 25 uh, come next week. We'll just take a quick break. It's never too late to level up your grooming game and keep your bush tamed with Manscaped's new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's every man's cheat code to look good, feel good, and turn the page on confidence this year. Whether you're going for a trim, or that clean-shaven look, this trimmer has you covered. Trusted by over 10 million men worldwide, now's your time to get a grip on your grooming with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com, use the code CHAMPIONS for 20% off plus free shipping. The ball's dropped, but don't drop the ball on your balls. Uh, it's the MVP of 2024, Manscaped's fifth-generation lawnmower. It's not just a trimmer, it's your grooming sidekick. Equipped with two skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth whenever your heart desires. It's like having a personal stylist at your fingertips or, well, wherever you need it. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code CHAMPIONS at manscaped.com. Embrace a new you and definitely embrace a new trimmer, courtesy of Manscaped. All right, so straight into the team list now. Uh, it feels weird only having four teams to go through, but I guess given the importance of round one slash round zero, I guess as we affectionately call it right now, I think it might not be a bad thing to have a little bit more time to unpack through this. So first game, Sunday the 3rd of March, 12.30 p.m. we got the Sea Eagles and the Rabbitohs playing on Allegiant Stadium. So we already obviously talked about this last week. The, the field is a little bit narrower, but I think we're still expecting plenty of points. So the key things here, obviously, Tommy Turbo, he's the headline act. He looks like he's literally been the healthiest and fittest he's been for ages. So that's really exciting uh, from, obviously, a Supercoach standpoint. We've got Luke Brooks lining up for his first game, official game, as a Seagull. Ruben Garrick will be playing right center, as far as we're aware. And... Yeah, with Toff Sipley out, uh, Josh, I mean, Oshe Ole is going <laughs> to be starting in the front row. And yeah, F Triple Travojevic is here with Ben and Jake 
uh, in the back row as well there. Look, I think it's a it's a, it's not a bad-looking team, honestly. Oh, really? Because I was about to say, I think that's the worst forward pack in the NRL. <laughs> I mean, Have you looked across the <laughs> to the other team there? Sean Kepi's starting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, touche. Um, look, I just, I mean, Baseka and, and, you know, those guys. But, yeah, look, uh, Olakuatu is obviously the strike weapon there uh, in the forwards. But Ben Trebojevic is going to have to show infinitely more than he has you know, in recent years to, to justify uh, a spot there. We're only interested in him, obviously, from a super coach perspective because every single year he starts as a cheapie. But, you know, that should be a warning in and amongst itself. Jake Trebojevic, you know, not super coach relevant uh, anymore, unfortunately, but, you know, kind of solid when he's locking the scrum. I do worry that there's not a lot of go forward. Um, yes, the South pack on the other side, which we'll go through, it's not particularly impressive as well, but, you know, this is a team that is built to, you know, wreak havoc off the back of, of a bit of momentum, particularly, you know, what you want to see Luke Brooks as a, as a you know, running 5'8", um, as he did a couple of times in the trial. But, you know, even a Garrick at centre uh, and obviously Tommy Turbo, you know, he these guys feast off uh, forwards, you know, that have got go forward and, and momentum late in the tackle count. I, I just don't really see it from Manly. Yeah, I guess it comes back to, I mean, you know, we, we talked last week where, again, tinfoil hat comes back on here, but, you know, you talked about PVL wanting most likely a fast game. And, and if that's the case, then there was no better team at capitalizing at that than Tommy Turbo-led Seagulls in 2021. So that's why I think even with the, the pack not being, you know, that impressive, yeah, there's there's a lot of speed in this team, and obviously Tommy Turbo is the headline act there. So, I I mean I kind of like the Seagulls to to get up on against the Rabbitohs here. I have not been impressed by what the Rabbitohs have dished up so far. Yeah. So we'll jump over to that team. Obviously, uh, we talked about the Whiten suspension. We talked about Campbell Graham's injuries. So we do have Tass and Kenner in the centers. Jacob Gagai, as in Dane Gagai's little brother, I believe, <laughs> gets his debut. Is it his brother? Yeah, I, I think know. his brother, and, and he is fairly old as well. It's a very mature age debut, which is interesting because obviously he's going to be receiving the ball from Cody Walker, who was a bit the same. And we talked about Sean Kepi starting in the front row, uh, partnering Tavita Totola. Obviously, Kepi, former Seagulls, so there could be a little bit of a revenge game narrative going on here. And we've got a, a very similar back line, uh, sorry, a back row with Keon. Kaloa Matangi, Jai Arrow, and Cam Murray. But I think Arrow and Kaloa Matangi have actually swapped sides. So Arrow is running off Lockie Ilias and Kaloa Matangi will be running off Cody Walker. So there's a fair bit of interest with Jai Arrow. Obviously, 466K got the dual position. You know, the Bunnies don't have any early buys. I kind of feel like, you know, Ilias doesn't mind passing to his back rower. He did it a lot with Kaloa Matangi. I guess, you know, unless the question is, did he do it a lot because it was Kaloa Matangi running off his hip as opposed to Jai Arrow. But, you know, with that kind of tendency, it just means there's a, there's a lot of work coming Jai Arrow's way. And at that price tag, you could, you know, very easily get to a 50, 55 average, which would be a good return on the price you'd pay there. I'm, I'm pretty interested in Arrow. Interesting. I mean, look, and that's that's a compelling argument for most years, but, you know, as uh, not only, you know, ourselves, but a lot of the commentary in and around Supercoach this year has been is that kind of the one guarantee is is the amazing mid-price second rows that there are. So Arrow might have in another year been the, the best 
of you know of that mid mid price second rowers, but you know is he is he going to break the top five uh, mid price second rowers? Given you know some of the other guys that we can that we've talked about in previous weeks, and and will obviously you know go, get guaranteed minutes next week. Yeah, but you forgot his dual position. You can plug him in as your front row. That's the that's the key thing there. Uh, play as your third front row or your second second front, front rower. I mean, some people are lining him up as their first and most expensive front rower. Not not me, obviously, but yeah, I, I definitely think he's he wouldn't look out of place as your second front rower. Yeah, I mean, that's great. I mean, look again, not that uh, Jacob Host, it, you know, can touch him as a talent, but he is on the bench there, and you know, you, you do wonder does Ari play more than sixty minutes? And and yeah, I mean, look at at four sixty six, it's it's a decent enough gamble, but. Um, yeah, I do kind of worry what the growth is there. I guess he's a, a little bit of a Christian Welsh type pick, right, in, in recent years where Welsh has, you know, been a little bit more expensive than what Arrow is now, but is probably a little bit underpriced and you can kind of, you know, bake in him doing five to maybe eight points above his, his price. Yeah, I mean, that that would be the hope. But I just, I, I think there's... There's a world where he could average 55, and I'd be pretty happy with that. Even if he trots out 50s, like honestly, I'll take that at 466k. So, <laughs> uh, I think we both talked about having Jacob Gagai in there as you know his base price. He's got the jewel with fullback as well. Not that we're expecting that that'll be useful. Uh, I guess the only question I have is, you know, Isaac Thompson hasn't flown to the US because he wasn't able to. He's got, uh, I guess, he's uh, got that past criminal history which has kept him out of the US. I don't know whether he was even, you know, ahead of Gagai or anybody else for that uh, right wing position. The, I guess the, the main question is if once they're back in Australia, does Isaac Thompson take his spot? Tyron Munro, I think we all expected him to be on the wing. He's out injured at the moment and he's expected to be back maybe around round five or round six, which for me, if, if Gagai's got that spot for five weeks, I'll take that easily. At base price, there'll be a couple of price rises in there, and yeah, you just hope with the bunnies being able to put on some points that they could, yeah, he could go pretty well. Uh, I think I'm minded on taking the risk there. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, we spoke last week, you know, from a strategic point of view, that you know some people are trying to just fade all four Vegas teams and and kind of act with certainty in their side uh, once the, the next lot of TLT. Uh, run it comes around, but I think that if you are going to put premiums in your team like a Tommy Turbo or a Latrell or Cookie or someone like that, then you need to balance, um, you know, a similar amount of cheapies in there just because there's just no guarantee that you, you, you know, the cheapies that you've got penciled in to be named for next week that they will be named. So, obviously, every side should have Ben Trebojevic in as much as we kind of joke about him being a perpetual chibi. Um, that's one. So you can kind of, you know, reasonably have a premium or, a, you know, a decent price player to offset him. Um, but if you're going more than one, and not just this game, but the other one as well, then you've probably got to look at having cheapies to balance it off because, you know, inevitably Murphy's Law that, you know, if you go too hard in round zero uh, with your your high price guys, then the cheapies that you expect to be named next week won't and you'll be screwed. Yeah, I think you're right. Like almost every premium you have from round zero, you want to have at least one cheapie kind of matching that, right? So that yeah. it, it allows you to breathe a little easier from getting premiums and, and relying on cheapies showing up 
in the second part of TLT there. Uh, one name I forgot to mention, I did want to talk about briefly, Jackson Paulo. I know it's not a sexy name at all, and he's bounced around a few times, including at the Rabbitohs, but he's actually, we know how good the left wing has been for Manly, right? Like Garrick feasted there for years, just, you know, 20 plus tries, obviously, you know, I don't think Paulo's even close to Ruben Garrick as a winger, but he doesn't have to do that much to improve on his price target. I, I think he's what, 476k. So yeah. it's, you know, people are happily paying up for Talon May. I know Talon May is a better super coach prospect, and but he's a center. You got the left wing for Tommy Turbo there, just, you know, 20k more. I just think, yeah, he could be going a little bit under the radar. I just don't. And he, and he didn't have to do much last year and scored really well as well. So price at a 47 average. I mean, what's the what's the kind of middle scenario? You know, not the absolute best case scenario, but what re- practically would you be expecting? I mean, is he is he going to, over the first five or six rounds, average kind of a 55? Is, is that the plan? Well, I, the thing with centering, I, I don't really care what he averages, right? I just want him to spike and, and you know, have at least one game where he might score a double or a triple. And I'm looking at round four when they play the Dragons and, you know, that, that might not be a bad game where he could go really well. And obviously, if we expect it, you know, round zero to be high scoring, again, thanks PVL, like, you know, it, it could be a, a decent start. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how they'll go against the Roosters and then the Eels are a bit of a, question mark there but yeah I, I definitely see he's he could be he could have four tries or five tries by the end of round four and at his price tag I think that could still see him make by round six seven he could have made at least a hundred to two hundred thousand even if he's yeah it's about when those tries come obviously but I, I can see yeah. there's, there's there's a path to some quick cash basically well, you know, obviously the, the ownership percentages are subject to change, but he's at 1.3% ownership. So, you know, that, that would be kind of super pod range if, you, if you're backing him in. And I know you kind of keep saying tinfoil hat with the, the high scoring for Vegas. I'm yeah, absolutely back in. These are going to be huge scoring games. So, um, you know, if you like Manly over South, then, then poor, there's definitely worse shouts than Paulo. You're, you're, you sound like you're almost at flat earth conspiracy type level now, aren't you? <laughs> oh, absolutely, mate. Um, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm looking up the over-unders uh, for the game score. I just think that, you know, this is uh, – PBL has staked a hell of a lot of his reputation on this working, whatever working means um, in Vegas, and he'll want to put on the best possible product, the best possible product – in rugby league terms, is an origin-style game where the whistle's put away and it's free-flowing. Now, origin is not always high-scoring, but we know that when the whistle gets put away at club level, um, the tries rain in because there's not the same level of talent. So, yeah, this is going to be really high-scoring, and and that's probably as much as anything the reason why I'm, you know, looking a little bit more towards uh, putting people from the four teams in than I might otherwise be. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, speaking of which, let's move on to the other games. So this is, you know, two hours after the first game here. Same stadium, obviously. So I, I don't have any concerns about the field, obviously. Back-to-back games, I don't think it's a major issue. So for the Roosters, we talked about, obviously, no Dom Young. So Billy Smith, left center. Joey Manu, right center. Uh, quick note on that. He had hung back. Uh, he's, he was he may, have, may have jumped on a plane by now or by tomorrow, but he was hanging back for the birth of his child. So... Uh, I believe that Manu Jr. has arrived. So congratulations, Joey, there. 
So he, he'll be off to Vegas shortly. The timing. Yeah. De- deliver the baby himself without anyone's help. Yeah, probably. Just did it all himself. It, the, yeah. the, the hero ball has to start early, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then Suli'i on the right wing there. Now we talked about Lenio starting. Uh, we'll direct Jared Weary Hargraves on suspension. Now, Satili Tupanua, I, like I said before, starting jersey. I think he's on the left. Sewell Wong on the right. And then, yeah, I mean, that bench, right? So, Sandon Smith was playing as a utility last year as a bench hooker as well. So, I'm not surprised he's there. I'm a little bit surprised he's there instead of Con Watson. But, you know, maybe Watson's still getting up to speed physically. Nat White, um, I, I think he really, you know, not for Supercoach really, but he looked quite good at times last year, like Terrell May did. I think maybe May got a little bit more super coach love because he was more, yeah, got got bigger minutes or whatever. But I thought I thought White was more impactful from an NRL perspective. And then we have Nat Butcher, uh, who was obviously starting edge backer all last year, now onto the bench, maybe playing more as a lock uh, in the middle, maybe spelling one of the two edge back rows. I think that's the big question mark here, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting because you would expect that if uh, Sandon Smith is is going to get, you know, anything more than kind of 10, 15 minutes, then, you know, Cheese might have to go through that middle rotation as well. So it alleviates the need to have, you know, too much, uh, too many minutes, middle minutes off the bench. So, yeah, I would say Nat Butcher probably plays um, more likely edge. Yeah, in which case we just don't know who that's going to be, right? And yeah, I think there's definitely some value here in the back row. And I, I keep getting flashbacks to last year when we were looking at Trent Liero and Elisa Katoa, right, <laughs> for the Storm. Yeah, yeah, you went one, I went the other. Yeah, and we know how that turned out. Yes, we do. I kind of think, is the answer <laughs> to go with the more expensive guy again? You start with Wong and if it's Tilly getting 80, you can downgrade to him. Because I think Wong's, what, 462? Something like that. I mean, I test Wong was more impressive. And look, from a tenure point of view, I get that Satili's been uh, in and around the side longer, but I just think Wong passed the eye test. He's a little bit more expensive, but, you know, when it comes to this stacked 2RF mid ranges that we keep talking about, or at least I do, um, at the moment, neither of them are in the side. Doesn't mean to say that, you know, if we get a nod one way or the other from Robbo about the pecking order that they don't sneak their way in, but. Um, I think there's probably better options, but that being said, both are on the watch list for me. Yeah, and I've been thinking about this. Like, uh, you know, again, when we have these team lists, we're going to get final team lists. You have certainty that one will definitely start or, or Satili will be starting. Whereas guys like Lukey, Sean Lane, like these guys that we think have just nailed on, like there's every chance they could end up benched for whatever reason come final team lists on there. Like, we just don't know, right? Yeah. It's the uncertainty and the uncertainty in the Brad Arthurness of uh, you yeah. know Sean Lane's position because the stuff around Tua Lungy maybe in a job share with Lane certainly has been the case in the trials. That's a huge worry for me. And and that's it, right? I, I was so confident about Sean Lane for so long, and now all of a sudden after the last trial, maybe I'm overreacting to it, but I've got cold feet right now in Sean Lane, and I did not expect that at all uh, this this preseason. So yeah, I'm I'm almost at a point where like. You could go to Wong and, and if he's fine, he's fine. And then if he's not, then you at least get to look at Sean Lane for this week. And if he's going to play 80, then I'll cop it and, and use one of my trades to, to jump jump ship over. Yeah, and, and largely they're the same price. Wong at 462 and and kind of Lane there and thereabouts. Hill and Luke, he's 471. So, yeah, they're, they're 
an easy kind of swap out. If you get a sight over the first two rounds and decide that you've picked wrong, then it's an easy move. Yeah, or even, you know, worst case scenario, if you start with Wong and Satili turns out to be like locked in 80 minutes running off Kiri and he's the one you want, like you'll free up 64-odd thousand going down to him. So, again, you can you can literally go sideways if you wanted to as well. So what about on the other side, mate? Your Broncos, um, again, Pierre Cura, you know, he's on, on the plane or he's, he's over in Vegas now. He's fit. You know, for me, he's about as bolted on as it gets at 426. Um, at the cheaper end of those mid-range two RFs that we spoke about, but I just think that, you know, given the the makeup of the Broncos team, he's, um, you know, he'll get all he can eat, uh, both with ball and minutes, and you know, and obviously given the the pedigree he's got, I think, um, you know, he's absolutely in the side. Yeah, locked in for me as long as he's there starting come end of um, you know final teams on on the Sunday. So for me, I. You know, it was it was reported what like at the start of the day, Marty Tapao uh, in over Willison and and also Corey Oates on the left wing. Uh, you know, come team list, obviously not none of that's happened. Willison's in the seventeen over Tapao and then Corey Oates eighteenth man with Dean Mariner in uh, the number five jersey. So this is in- interesting because I've been operating off the fact that Jesse Arthur's is going to be right wing outside to Tony Staggs and. And uh, Corey Oates is going to be left wing over, uh, you know, next to Selwyn Cobo. I, I thought that was good balance, right? Mariner, um, sorry, Arthurs and, and Staggs. And then obviously Corey Oates, very experienced, able to maybe work a little bit better with Cobo. Now with Dean Mariner there, he's been trialing on the right wing. He's he's played both sides, but more often than not, he's played right wing in first grade. And so to me, I, I think it's going to be Staggs and Mariner on the right. And then it's going to be Jesse Arthurs left wing outside Selwyn Cobo. So I know you laughed at me and, and I've, I've taken the week to think about it and I'm still here on Jesse Arthur's as a legitimate option. Woo-wee, all right. Okay, well, hey, look, again, you know, um, there is always uh, at least one or two centre wings um, that, you know, spike uh, in the early rounds and, and given how tight Supercoach is, you know, kind of in the modern day, um, you know, if you get on a, a pod centre wing early and they and they start off really well, then you know you're kind of set for the season. So if Arthur's is your guy, then you know I'm not going to dissuade you off of that. I think it's just more. I'm at the point where I don't know how many other centre wings I can find that are going to be around that 350k mark, give or take 20k, that has the potential to score a double in any given week. And I think if the Broncos continue to play the way they've been playing, like. They put up so many tries last year, right? And I can just see, you know, Herbie's no longer at left center, hogging all the ball. Selwyn's not played that much at first grade level at, in center, but from what I've seen already, he's got a better pass on him than Herbie does. He's more willing to pass it over to his winger mm-hmm. and let them score, whereas Herbie would tuck it under and, and do it himself. And he obviously did that very well last year. But yeah, I, I tend to think Selwyn's less less selfish in that regard. So you, you're talking at the price point, that kind of early to mid threes. It, Arthur's over Bronson Cherry for you? Well, the latest is Cherry's not even going to be in first grade. There's there's chatties in reserve. So that's what I mean. Like I've, I've got Cherry booked into my team. All of a sudden, he's not there. Like I've got to try find a 350K roughly. Like am I turning Cherry into Drew Hutchison? Like... I'd rather Arthur's Jack Game and Salmon. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, 
Salmon might be a yeah, like he, he might plot away to a forty average. Like I just don't know what I'm expecting from Salmon, right? All I know is that it's really hard being a Bulldogs fan. Look, I know, I know, you know, it's not the Tigers and everything. Boy, oh boy, Jamin Salmon, Christ on a crutch. And it's just, a, it's a certainty. It comes back to that, right? We know this is going to be there for round one. We can lock in that price point and that'll help me afford another premium, I think. Yeah, I guess that's where my mind's at at the moment. And look, I don't love Arthurs. Don't get me wrong. I'm not expecting much, but he'll be there. And he's he's the first choice winger right now for the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you've locked Arthurs into the side and, you know, we oh, could really? <laughs> uh, we could at some stage have a bit of a chumps bet uh, over how well he does long-term. But look, again, it, it, it's almost never the center wings that are popular, popularly owned. You know, yes, we all we will all own the base price, you know, the cheapy center wings because, you know, that's what it's all about from a cash generation point of view. But above that, it's always the, you know, some every year it's a, it's a, it's a lightly owned player that, that starts the season with a bang and, and tends to kick on. And, and the people who get on early or start with them are, are the ones that, you know, do really, really well, whether in the past it's been a Katoni Staggs, a Jacob Carraz, even a, even a Brett Morris a couple of years ago when, you know, just about no one owned him. Um, and then, you know, was pretty much the, the highest scoring player in Supercoach that year. So, look, you know, it's, it's worth a gamble, mate. Yeah, and, and for me, like I'm looking at this where, well, I could have Jesse Arthurs at 376K and then Payne Haas at 750K or I could have Val Holmes at 736K and uh, yeah, 400K front row forward or, you know, or someone like a Greg Marju, 789K and then I'd have to find, like it'd be Spencer Lenio or yeah. a Sean Kepi as no, my front row forward. No, thank and, you. And I think that's the way I'm looking at it. I'm like, well, you know, this time in... After five rounds last year, I know we had, you know, all these expectations of our centering guns and, and we paired up for a heap of people and stuff like that. But this time last year, after five rounds, the only center wing that had a higher five round average than Payne Haas was Jacob Caraz. Everyone else had a lower five round average than Payne Haas after the first five rounds. Yeah. So I just think, and, and then there were a heap of uh, center wing guys around that 350 to 400K mark that were easily outperforming their price tag. I'm not saying I'm expecting Arthur's again or, or anybody else around that price tag to be the next Jermaine Osako or the next Hamiso, Tabuai Fido or, or anybody else like that. But I just think, you know, the volatility is always going to be towards the 80-minute uh, winger playing for, as of last year anyway, the second best offense or, or tied for first in the NRL. So that's kind of... To me, probability-wise, that makes more sense. Yeah, no, it's 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 backed up by logic, mate. I, I, and you know, the mail is that Sherry might struggle to make the the seventeen. I mean, I tend to think on talent. You know, he should be there, and and given the the Bulldogs signed him, you know, two years in advance of his drug suspension finishing up, they've clearly invested kind of a lot of capital in him. But yeah, um, that's that's it's that uncertainty playing tricks on us, right? Absolutely. Aside from that, I look, I, I love Payne Haas. He's he's in my team at the moment. I've got Pew Kura and it looks like I'm I'm talking myself into Jesse Arthurs the, the longer I talk. No, 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 no. You, we after devoting <laughs> over two podcasts the amount of minutes that you have to Jesse Arthurs, he absolutely is in your side. I'm sorry, you don't get a choice. <laughs> it seems that way now. Yeah. Uh, 
I'd, I'd love to put Dean Marin in, but he's just way too expensive for classic. But yeah, I I don't have anyone else from the Broncos in my team at the moment. I did have Xavier Willison, but uh, I think with the emergence of someone like a Tom McKayley, uh partnering him with um, Samuel Hughes seems like a really good front row forward three and four combo. But I guess that's where, again, back in my mind, I'm going, well, what if McKayley doesn't end up on the 17 for the Cowboys come teamless Tuesday next week? And I'm forced to go with like a Liam Henry or Viliami Fafida or and and you know I would have missed Willison by then. So still in my head in. Yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, the only other shout out, and, and I know you kind of mocked the front row forward options at 400k, and and with good reason. But you know, a player that you and I both love in real NRL, he's certainly going to get an increase in minutes this year. Again, he's not a he's not a high ceiling guy, but certainly will outperform, you know, what he's priced at, I think, is Corey Jensen. I mean, there's got to be room for a slow burner kind of in the forwards for every super coach side in round one. I mean, do you think he gets enough additional minutes and, and you know, given that he's got that seniority now uh, to justify a kind of a gamble at 413K or you just think that the growth's not there? Well, I just, he averaged 38 minutes a game last year already. And I just can't see how he's going to, I mean, he's got the motor to play, you know, uh, the back end of the year, he was playing 47 and 58 minutes. So he's definitely got some motor there and he, he's a hard worker. He's very meat and potatoes. I mean, the, the, the argument is that Fletcher Baker and Xavier Willison are the two guys that are going to spell Haas and Jensen. And neither of those guys are going to play big minutes at all. They're going to play pretty low minutes, which means that obviously you, you, Haas is going to get all he can eat from a minutes perspective. But, you know, there th- could easily be 50 minutes there. I just don't know if it's going to be there. I, I feel like maybe he's going to be around 45. And there's a little bit of value there if he's going to get, you know, from 38 to 45. But, you know, what does that cap, out, cap him out as price-wise? Like, I just don't know. Like, it seems, it seems yeah. a solid, you know, low risk, but potentially also low return option there which you know if, if it's only 45 minutes then yeah you're probably right he's, he's kind of not worth it but um but again you know it's 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 that guarantee of a little bit of growth and and scoring you know until some of those cash cows starting to start to fatten up because our salary cap's so tight i just wilson at 265k if he yeah. was 204 if he was base price then i'm a lot more interested but you know effectively you uh, kind of flushing 60k down the drain because you're paying over the odds for for what he will produce compared to someone else yeah it's just like i don't think there's any two of 4k front row forward cheapies like even hughes like 238 900 mckaylee's 238 900 so i'm really only giving up about 25 26k to those guys yeah I, and i just noticed Liam henry's 238 900 as well so no you're right on that one yeah i mean like i said that that matters right at this point when we're penny pinching the way we have to be the lack of cheapies that every every 10 20 000 will count there but look i think we've gone through the teams in quite a lot of detail i think the last thing we should do though like i mean i pick seagulls to beat the rabbitos i'm going to pick my broncos to beat the roosters where are you at uh i think you may you may have Moves me over to to Manly, I think, in like a forty four to forty kind of score line. I think Manly over the Rabbitohs, and uh, I think the uh, look. I, I just think that there's a lot of um, th- there's some aging legs uh, over at the Roosters, and I know you know the likes of Len Yu and and Wong and and those guys are, are, are a little bit younger, but um, I just don't see it 
with the Roosters this year. I think Tedesco will drop another level uh, from what he was last year. And I think there's a lot of miles on a lot of legs at the Roosters. So I think the Broncos are much younger and uh, much more dynamic. And I tip them to kind of, you know, do them by maybe two or three tries. Yep. I'm hoping that your prediction comes true. I you know, I wasn't that bullish. I was just going to say Broncos will win somehow. <laughs> sure. So I'm looking at my team right now and I've done some rejigging and all of a sudden I don't have an Eels hooker in my in my fr- hooker too. I've got Brandon Smith there. So I've found a way to basically free up cash to get from, I think I had Brandon Hands there. Uh, cheese is 471k uh, compared to Hands. I think it was like 348, I think from memory. So it's, yeah, I had to find a f- 342, sorry. He had to go up a little bit to get there, but I just, I think it's the fear of the unknown. I'm I'm not very good at handling that at the moment. I'm happy to go Lusick or Hands at that cheaper price. I just, my, my issue with Brandon Smith, again, we all started with him last year and it's it's pretty much the guaranteed guy that everyone has to start with that, that inevitably doesn't do that well. But um, it's at some point, when you're a hooker, don't you actually have to be good at dummy half and passing the ball? I mean, I've just i just never seen it. Brandon Smith, from a super coach value perspective, but also from an NRL perspective, is much, much better when he's kind of running as a loose forward. And I just don't think he adds any value from hooker. Um, you know, I think Sandon Smith is probably a better hooker. I think, you know, Sam Verrills has been a better hooker at the Roosters. And... And all of that stuff. So yeah, I just I just can't trust that he's actually going to get that many minutes um, to justify even four seventy one k. Yeah, look, you could be right. I, I I just feel like if he's healthy, there's going to be. I feel like there's going to be some value there. I, I don't know. There there were some good scores mixed in amongst the, some you know concerning scores when he was injured. But I, I think it's for me. It's more like again, I don't know if there's going to be two eels hookers. Like, I know Brad Arthur has said he's going to have an eighty minute hooker. We just don't know that for sure, right? And, you know, if that happens, it's the third last game of the round. Who do you go to? I mean, that that, that depends on whether, you know, he carries um, Hands or Lusick in the 18 or 19th role, you know, role with 24 hours to go. But, you know, th- I mean, that that's all a fair point. Um, there's a decent enough amount of options uh, kind of in and around the price, though, that I think you can... Um, you can default to if you absolutely have to. I just, yeah, Brandon Smith, he's awkwardly priced and... Yeah, it is a bit of a worry, but you, you would probably want to nod uh, one way or the other with the power guys kind of by Friday, and and maybe we get that, maybe we don't. We've already seen, as he said earlier in the podcast, you know, some reporting, firm reporting that turned out to be not true about the Broncos. So, you know, maybe that's going to be the, um, you know, the new trend of 2024 is that, you know, teams are playing Ducks and Drakes a little bit more with their team aiming. So... I've currently got Ben and uh, Tom Trevojevic, obviously the two turbos. I've got Jacob Gagai um, in as a GP. Again, we talked about that. I've got Pierre Kura locked in at the moment, and I've also got Payne Haas locked in. I'm toying with Jai Arrow, Brandon Smith, and one of the edge back rowers, either Wong or Tupanua. I'm realizing I'm getting more and more. The more I look at these team lists, the more and more players are from round zero that are ending up in my team. So I guess I'm answering, you know, the question we posed to each other last week, how we're going to attack this. I I think I, I handle the certainty a little bit more. And I guess I'm trusting my ability that, you know, with the cheapies I've got locked in here, 
I'm going to be able to find a way to, to make the rest of my team work once the rest of Teamless Tuesday drops yeah. the following week. And I blanked out for a bit there. You mentioned Jesse Arthur's name, right? <laughs> no, I didn't mention him. Oh, no, I guess he's going to be there now. <laughs> you're damn straight. You're damn straight. I, I've got Ponga over Turbo at this point, but, you know, that's a that's a kind of, you know, anyone's choice on that. They're not too oh, dissimilar. I've got both. Oh, really? I've got Paps there just penciled in at, at 200k cheaper. So, you know, he, he's sitting there for the moment, but I'd understand if you want to wait and see on him. Burbo's there. Uh, I've got Piakura and I've got Haas uh, at the moment. So, and Gagai uh, there. So that's that's probably less than I'd like, um, you know, as we kind of talk it out. I, I might want to see who else I can kind of shoehorn in there. And again, because to your point, I mean, you know, even just convincing me over, over the course of the podcast that, that you really do, you know, a, a bird in the hands, put two in the bush, you know, that's crap saying, but in this case, it's it's true that, you know, if you've got even a mediocre cheapy that's kind of locked in for the Vegas teams, then it's probably worth a decent amount over the uncertainty of, of what we know the round one teams might be for next week. Yeah, I think it just comes down to your risk profile, right? And I feel like I'm always going to be a little bit more conservative, so I want to work with the known as opposed to just trusting that everything will fall in place, which I know some super coaches are all out there and happy to, you know, fly by the seat of their pants. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I think it's uh, super coaches is, is so tight. There's so much information out there, so much data and so many good players that I, I do understand that you want to risk it uh, from round one, but um, and if it comes off, great. But inevitably, if you're kind of risking it one way that might, pay off inevitably there's probably something that spectacularly doesn't work for you uh you know with the other choices so yeah i tend to be like you i'm a little bit more conservative in in my risk taking kind of in round one there's maybe one or two flies there max um and we see how we go if i'm if i'm gonna kind of tie myself to a scoring spree uh over in vegas then i'm probably gonna when it gets closer to the weekend look to to move one or two more players in as well yeah, I was going to say, like, at the at the end of it all, like, if we do think these games are going to be high scoring, we know that brings super coach points. And if that's the case, then, yeah, you need more of these guys in your team. So join me. Jesse Arthurs, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Turbo over Pong. Yeah, that's uh, really cool. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and definitely not Sean Kepi. <laughs> definitely not Sean Kepi. Oh, or Cappuccino, as he calls himself, by the way. Oh, Christ. Yeah. I- Okay, when when now I, I called that on Arthur's last week. When you start bringing up Arthur's super coach relevance, that's it for the pod. <laughs> when you call it, uh, when you're referencing Sean Kepi's uh, self-inflicted nicknames, then it probably means it's time to wrap it up, mate. Yeah, this is just the depth of uh, research that we have, we go to over here at the Super Coach Champions. <laughs> Speaking of which, look, uh, shout out to our group competition. So, if again, unlimited league code three five four nine six four. Jump in if you haven't already. 500 bucks cash for the top ranked team at the end of a season. And we've also got a super coach champion SC rings ring available for the top ranked listener as at the end of round five. So you need to be in our comp before the end of round five, obviously um, to also qualify, not just for the ring, but also for our final uh, end of season cash prize. And obviously if you are uh, also a champ, that's one of our Patreon subscribers that 500 also becomes 1000 because you'll also win a $500 champs only bonus that's eligible for our just our champs uh, competing for the top ranked champ for the end of the season. We also have other competitions like our last champ standing. It's a bit of an eliminator comp 
that we run throughout the year. And that's 500 bucks up grabs for that as well, amongst other, um, you know, novelty prizes that you can win. We, uh, I think we're also going to get Rugby League Fantasy Pro uh, helping us out with the group competition again, just still confirming the final details there. But yeah, um, I think anyone who used their product, the Supercoach Pro product last year, will how, can attest to how much of a cheat code it is for not just overall, but especially for head-to-head teams. It's just, um, yeah, really, really handy. So check that out, Rugby League Fantasy Pro as well, and we'll announce more details there. But again, that group code or league code rather, 354-964. And we've mentioned our Patreon, patreon.com slash supercoachchampions for more details there. Uh, obviously, we've we've talked about the Champs Discord again. You know, I have I find as I get older and, and less and less time, I, I devote more of my chatting time, um, you know, talking to other supercoaches. It's mostly in the Champs Discord. I'm not on Twitter as much or X as they call it now. I'm definitely not on Facebook Messenger anywhere near as much as I used to be or, or Facebook groups. I mean, I used to be there. But that was years ago. Like, yeah. yeah. The champs, the champs Discord is where it's at. It's uh, where I get the the kind of majority of uh, you know feedback from people and and where kind of all the different thought bubbles get launched. So yeah, it's a great great thing. So yeah, consider joining the Patreon and, and jumping on the Discord. Wolf and I are on there all the time. Definitely. All right. So we will be back obviously next week. Um, you know, with more. There's going to be the second part of TLT next week. I'm not sure what I'm going to be able to do in terms of scheduling for the rest of this week. And we're still trying to wrap our heads around this split round. But uh, yeah, obviously make sure you're subscribed if you do. Want to make sure you can get our next episode whenever it drops. Uh, so you can find us on all available podcast apps, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, for example. It's all there. We always appreciate any reviews you can leave us um, and give us any comments, especially on Spotify. I think you can interact with us there. If there's any comments and things that you want to hear more of or things like that, you can always catch us there as well. But yeah, look, I'm, I'm so pumped. I'm going to jump back into my team and, and reflect on some of the stuff we've talked about again. And yeah, I, I better put Jesse Arthur's in. Otherwise, you'll never forgive me for that. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. Jesse Arthur's going straight back in uh, for your team. And I'm going to do exactly the same, man. I'm going to go uh, back to square one and, and try and work out how to fit more of these Vegas players in. Sounds great. All right. Catch you all again soon. And um, footy's back. Let's go. Up the awesome. rocks. See you guys.